Lord's Supper and uh, baptism. So we call them ordinances, some call them sacraments, um, but an ordinance is a command or a directive uh, from the Lord. And uh, Jesus uh, gave us two things that he really wanted to, us to do in the interim time between his first coming and his second coming. So before he returned to the Father, he reminded us to keep participating around the table of the Lord, and uh, he reminded us to keep on baptizing. And as people come to faith in Christ, to encourage them and uh, to be baptized as a demonstration of their love for Christ and of their faith in, in Jesus as their new reality. Uh, in every generation, people have developed ways of saying things by symbols and expressions. Uh, could you imagine a world without gestures? Could you imagine a world without symbols? Uh, oh, and uh, by the way, how about those Edmonton Eskimos? Now, that's a week away. We've almost forgotten about it. Uh, but uh, come on, you've got to be impressed. This has been a great year for us. And they're going to receive a little gift in a short time, and they're going to slip that on their finger... It's the Edmonton Eskimo ring, and it's a symbol of their achievement. It's a symbol of their achievement this year. It's been a fantastic year for them. But could you imagine a world without handshakes? Could you imagine a world without hugs? Could you imagine a world without kisses and special songs and flags and dances, and uh, flowers on Valentine's Day. Symbols, symbolic objects, and symbolic gestures say something very powerful to us. They almost say more than the words uh, around them. And they almost invite us to not use too many words, but to just participate in the symbol. All throughout the Bible... Uh, the God has used physical things. He's used symbols and actions to communicate his love and his truth to us. And he wanted to tell Noah and all of creation that he loved the people of the world so much, so he put a rainbow in the sky just to remind people that he loved them, that he cared for them. And when God wanted that to show us how awful sin is and how much forgiveness costs, he would often have his people go out and, and select the best sheep and bring it to, their ta to the tabernacle and kill it. And then sometimes the blood of the animal was sprinkled over the people. <laughs> might sound a little crude. Might sound a little crude. But you would never leave a worship service wondering why God hates sin so much. And what forgiveness means. What is that? Oh, where did that come from? That's the blood of the animal. I was in church today. This is a reminder of how much God loves me and how much he forgives me. So why does God give us symbols and signs and gestures? Well, he keeps wanting us to know that he loves us. And he wants us to know him. 
So he keeps calling us to him, to know him, and to trust him. And it's true when we come to the table this morning and we celebrate this ordinance this morning, uh, the table of the Lord, and then we're going to celebrate baptism just a little bit later. You know, it was a fascinating story to read of a woman professor uh, who was really on a search for God, I guess. Uh, She attended a Methodist church as a child, but somehow in her journey, she didn't really connect with God. And then she began in, in later years to search for other ways to find God, other spiritual traditions. She tried Buddhism. She tried transcendental meditation, even telepathic experiments. And as she began her teaching career as a prof, she met another woman who was a Christian. And the Christian reminded her of her roots, reminded her of Christ, reminded her of who Jesus is and what he really did on the cross. So the woman said, in January of 1993, my mother wanted to go to the place where she had grown up. And we went to this little Methodist church where I had attended as as a little girl. And she said, we just went to see some friends, that's all. We just went to see some friends. But she said, when we got there, I was really moved to go up to the altar and give my life to the Lord. It wasn't even an altar call. It was a communion call. It was the, the guy said, the guy said, that would be the pastor, the guy said, you don't have to be a member of any church to take communion. You just have to believe that Jesus Christ lived, that he died for your sins, and, and you, have to, you have to want him in your life. And when he said that, she said, I was so powerfully moved that I actually thought even if a tornado rips through this building, I'm going to get to the communion. (laughs) Love it. She said, I took the communion and I didn't even listen to the guy. That would be the pastor. (laughs) I knelt down and said, please come and get me. Please come and get me. And when I took the communion... And I said that, I felt free. I felt like, I felt like tons of things just kind of evaporated off of me. Please come and get me. Communion, or sometimes we call it the Lord's Supper, or sometimes we call it uh, the Eucharist, is a, is a powerful experience. And the wonderful thing that there is a remarkable connection between Christmas and communion. Don't know if you've thought about that, but I want to remind you this morning. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26, and verse 26, we heard it on the video. And as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it. For this is my body. May I retell you uh, or share with you again this morning what Christmas is all about. You're going to hear many versions in the coming weeks. We have our cultural understanding, and it'll come through loud and clear, but you have to discern. But from a biblical perspective, Christmas is really, really about the incarnation. 
The incarnation refers to the manifestation of the second person of the Godhead in human flesh, yet without diminishing his deity. In other words, to say the second person of the Trinity came to the planet and in his undiminished deity was once and for all united with sinless humanity. Through the virgin birth, Jesus Christ became fully human as well as fully divine. It's the incarnation. That he became the God-man. That he became 100% human and yet remained 100% divine. Completely God and yet completely human. Second person of the Trinity. And the incarnation was necessary in order that we might see God, in order that we might know God personally. God was unseen in the Old Testament, but with the incarnation of our Lord in human form, God was now visible in human form. God was now among us. God was with us in human wrapping in human flesh, so that men and women and boys and girls could see him and touch him and know him. The incarnation was accomplished by means of the virgin birth, one of the greatest and amazing miracles of all time. It was necessary not only to produce one who was both God and man, but also to produce one who was without sin. The incarnation was necessary so that the Lord Jesus Christ could become our one and only mediator. Paul was so clear about that when he wrote to Timothy. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. So the incarnation was necessary so that the Lord Jesus Christ could become our one and only Savior, our mediator, our great high priest. But the incarnation is also a supreme example of humility, as Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 following. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. After returning home uh, from a long tour, Bono, the lead singer of, uh, for U2, returned to Dublin and attended a Christmas Eve service. At some point in that service, Bono grasped the truth at the heart of the Christmas story, that in Jesus... God became a human being. With tears streaming down his face, Bono realized the idea that God, if there is a force of love and logic in the universe, this is what he said, that it would seek to explain itself is amazing enough. That it would seek to explain itself by becoming a child born in poverty and straw, a child. I just thought, wow, just the poetry I saw the genius of picking a particular point in time and deciding to turn on this. Love needs to find a form. 
Intimacy needs to be whispered. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. The incarnation is the utmost example of humility. That he set aside all of his privileges, his heavenly privileges, to be among us as a servant, as a human being, as one who would demonstrate his love for us by dying for us. So we're very intentional at Christmas to remind one another of the incarnation. Of course, that's what Christmas is all about, the incarnation. But can you think of a better time to remember the incarnation than whenever we gather around the table of the Lord? So verse 26 in Matthew 26 of Matthew reads this way. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, Take this and eat this, for it is my body. The bread actually symbolizes our Lord's incarnation. That he became one of us. That he took on humanity. In what way? Well, the bread reminds us that our Lord was born without sin. No one else in history can make the claim. None of the prophets, none of the well-known biblical characters. Jesus was born free from all sin. In the New Testament, almost certainly the bread which was used in those days was unleavened bread. It had no yeast in it. Because yeast, as you may know, is a symbol of sin. Remember what Paul said? Don't you know that a little yeast affects the whole batch of dough? Clean out the old yeast so that you can you may be a new batch of dough. First Corinthians chapter five, six and seven. And this passage that we're looking at this morning, Matthew twenty six, seventeen, says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread. The disciples came to Jesus and asked, what do you, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jewish families would search through their entire house. They would look for any leaven that might be in the house and they would take it outside of the house. They would put it out if they found any. And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 6 that since Jesus was the Passover lamb, And since he's been sacrificed, we should not tolerate sin. That Christ was sinless and he died for our sins, so we should put away sin because of Jesus. So when we take the bread at communion, we are prompted to remember that Jesus was the spotless Lamb of God. He was sinless, just like the bread reminds us. No leaven in the bread. He was the sinless Savior in his body. He was the spotless, spotless Lamb of God who came among us. He was God become man without sin, without blemish. And so this is the bread. This is the bread. This is the picture of who Jesus is. That he is the bread of life. And without the sinlessness of Jesus, which the bread symbolizes, his death would have no value for us. So Christmas is very much related to communion. 
Because this bread tells the story of his incarnation, that he is the sinless Savior, the God-man. And this body was also broken. His body was given for us, the incarnation, and his body was broken for us at the cross. And then the bread symbolizes something else. It symbolizes the humility of Jesus in coming to this earth as a baby and becoming a man. Wherever you go, bread is one of the most basic forms of food. I mean, no meal could be more simple than bread and water. And remember, this was unleavened bread. This is not Cinnabon. (laughs) No. This is not fancy donuts. These are not apple fritters. These are not fancy blueberry muffins. This is unleavened bread. This is just plain unleavened bread. And actually this morning, you're going to receive unleavened bread. A little different for us. A bit of a challenge to find it. I don't know where to find unleavened bread. But it it seemed appropriate this morning to actually serve gluten-free unleavened bread. Now, I want to warn you, you won't be impressed by the taste. (laughs) But it's not about the taste. It's about the meaning. It's about the symbol. And I believe the bread is a symbol of the humility of our Lord. Isaiah 53, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, Acquainted with deepest grief, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Wow. Where was he born? Bethlehem, not Jerusalem. Where? In a barn. Christmas is about God coming down the back steps of Bethlehem. He came not as a rich and powerful man, but he came as a child. Bono was so impressed with that. Among straw. He he came as a child. He came into the deepest of poverty. So when we celebrate communion, we also celebrate some of the Christmas story. The humble, sinless Son of God who came among us. So take the bread and be reminded of who Jesus really is. And be reminded of, 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 of what he really did for us on the cross, that he gave himself to us and that he was broken for us as well. Remember the lady searching to find her faith in God? But she said, when we got there, I was really moved to go up to the altar and give my life to the Lord. It wasn't even an altar call. It was a communion call. The guy said, that would be the pastor, the guy said, you have to believe that Jesus Christ lived and that he died for your sins and you have to want him in your life. And when he said that, I was so powerfully moved that I actually thought even if a tornado rips through this building, I'm going to get that communion. She said, I took the communion and I didn't even listen to the guy. I knelt down and I said, please come and get me. Please come and get me. Please come and get me. And when I took the communion and I said that, I suddenly felt free. I felt like tons of things had been lifted off of me. Please come. 
and get me. Maybe you're here this morning and your heart is so similar. And maybe you've never ever even participated in the Lord's Supper before. Just put it in your own words. Just put it in your own words with your heart and somehow say, Lord, come, because I need you. I need you desperately in my life. Here I am. I surrender to you. Come and forgive me. Come and fill me up. Come and help me be the person you want me to be. Maybe you say, oh, I don't know. You've not arrived at that point yet. Please don't feel uncomfortable just to allow the bread to pass and allow the cup to pass. Just let it be a time where you think about the incarnation. You think about what Jesus did on the cross. And you question where you are in the midst of all of that. When you receive the bread and the cup this morning, perhaps you could say, Lord, come and and pour into my life. Come and pour into my life. Pour your life into mine. But also remember that this time around the table, taking the bread and the cup, is to remember that life is not just about getting. It's not just about receiving. It's about receiving so that I can pour out and be a blessing of God's love to somebody else. We become poured out for the sake of others and that's especially true as we pour our lives out for the poor and the brokenhearted and the forgotten and the vulnerable. So as you come to the Lord's table, come first of all to receive. The Lord is here. The Lord is here. Where do you need His grace today? Where do you need His grace? Where do you need His forgiveness in your life today? Where do you need His new life in your life today and His power? And let Him feed you in all of those places. Just identify them. I need you here. I need you here. I need you here, Lord. And second, as you come, let the Lord search your heart as you ask, where do I need to pour myself out for others these days? Who needs the hope and the purpose that only Christ can bring? So I'm just going to, there's a slide that's going to come up, but I'm going to just ask you to uh, uh, read this in unison with me. Just kind of let it be the intention of your heart, I guess I would say it that way. Let it be the intention of your heart. So together, open your heart to Jesus. Come and receive. Take the bread, eat the bread, take the cup, drink the cup, receive. Then pour yourself out for others and never be the same again. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our, our servers to come. We're going to receive these elements this morning. You're welcome to participate. Uh, around this table. Sid Page is going to come and lead us in a prayer of thanksgiving for the bread and the cup. Let's pray together. 
Our Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning to give you thanks for these gifts, these tangible reminders of your great love for us, of the horrible sacrifice that your Son made on our behalf, and of the gift of the forgiveness of sins that you have so freely given to us. We pray that as we receive these elements, we might hear your voice speaking to us words of assurance, reminding us that you truly do love us, that Jesus did die for us, and that because of that, we enjoy the forgiveness of sins and the privilege of being your children. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 